Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. All right, welcome back to the Survival and Basic Badass Podcast, Kevin and Chuck. Um, so we're continuing the, uh, beginning preps or, you know, starting off. And again, you know, I know some of you guys have been with us a long time and it's just a good time to restock and, and, you know, check your inventory, go make sure that all your gear isn't full of mice and your food storage and your everything else. Make sure that, you know, things aren't getting away from you. So today we're going to talk about food storage and and all that that entails. Now I know when you say food storage, it sounds overwhelming. You think of, oh, that means I need to spend six thousand dollars, and you know I need to order all these big plastic buckets that I need to stick everywhere, and it's horrible, and it just gets so overwhelming and built up in your mind, and it overwhelms people to the point that they don't do anything at all. Um, a lot of you guys have heard of this uh, on-demand, you know, uh, food delivery system. And it's funny, I just uh, went through this kind of at my work where we have certain complications when we, we do production, where if we make one type of product and then we shut down all the machines and we'll switch over to another type of product, when you do that, it's complicated and you have problems, you know, cause the machines they've been working one way for a while and now they're asked to work another and it just ends up being a big pain in the ass and it slows everything down. So I'm like, Hey, why don't we just make a shit ton and store it? Cause we have warehouse space and then we'll make a shit ton of these and so on. And we'll, we'll, you know, go through a process like that. Well, it turns out as soon as you completely make something, the government taxes it. And this is what I did not realize. So if we have raw materials, 
that's fine. But if we're storing anything, we're paying tax on that. And when you're talking about billions of dollars in a, a large, large company, that adds up really quick. You know, that tax, that interest you could be making on your money as opposed to paying that tax right away. So anyway, this is a big part of why people have this whole like on demand kind of mentality where mentality where the product is made and then it's sold to the consumer right away. I don't know. It's a little insight that was kind of new to me the other day. So I thought I'd share that. Anyway, but bottom line is your grocery stores keep a super limited one. It, it makes it nice where you're always getting fresh stuff, which is kind of cool. Um, they don't have to worry about stuff getting damaged, whatever. And, and you know, it gets onto the consumer and they don't pay extra storage. Everything's great. The problem is if there's any disruption in our supply chain, it makes things bad. Now, yeah, I mean, you know, the hardcore preppers are like, oh, an EMP, you know, riots, the dollar collapse, any of these things can slow it down. But as we just learned when COVID kind of rolled in, factories, just people not going to work for a little while can make a big difference in things not showing up. You know, we're still not getting chips to make circuit boards in certain cars. And, you know, I don't know if you guys have gone to a car dealer or whatever lately, but a lot of new cars are like impossible to buy. And, you know, you end up being on a waiting list because we just, people just can't get the materials to, to make these products. Well, it's the same thing that happened to, you know, toilet paper. I, I don't know, somehow crazy preppers put out the idea that toilet paper is the thing to hoard. And I'm not taking the blame for it, just in case you guys are wondering. Because, yeah, I told you to get toilet paper, but I told you to buy it years before. So don't even start with me about it's your negative Chuck's toilet fault. paper. Yep, I know. I know how you guys get. I get the angry emails. I wanted toilet paper and you, you made everybody go buy it. I know. I know. So anyway, as I digress here, like I said, food can be disrupted um, if refinery stopped working. Uh, pipelines shut down, any kind of thing like this can cause a disruption. This can be caused by hurricanes, blizzards, you know, political nonsense, uh, what they do in the Middle East. I mean, just about anything can affect how food gets to you. And I know that sounds right. crazy. And sometimes it's only one item or two items, but you can't roll the dice of, well, I don't know what item it's going to be. You know, that's the when it's toilet paper, it's hard to find a substitute for that, you know, especially when it toilet paper spirals into all paper products of, you know, paper towels, napkins, tissues, whatever, you know, all that stuff spirals out of control. Um, you know, where all of a sudden you need cloth masks, you know, who knew that was coming, right? And how hard was it to get the N95 masks, whereas, you know, they were nothing, you know, weeks before, right? So right. that kind of thing. So that's why we prepare food storage. I know that was a big, long, lengthy kind of introduction there, but food storage is really important. But like I said, if you take small bites of the apple, it's a lot easier to eat it than trying to swallow the whole thing at once. So Kevin, you had some kind of example, some kind of food storage issue yeah, story well, for me here. <clears throat> yeah. Well, I mean, there's been a lot of times in American history, your world history, where there have been massive shortages of food. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's been the case throughout time. Um, and, and being short on food, being short on your calorie intakes can really fuck you up. You know, it changes a lot of, uh, a lot of the, the things that you have to deal with, you know, when it comes to basic stuff like infections and things like that in, uh, during world war two, um, the university of Minnesota did a, uh, uh, what they called the, the Minnesota semi-starvation experiment. And what they did was they, they took 36 male volunteers and they put them on a restricted diet for 24 weeks, which is a uh, long time. Yeah. They were getting 1,560 calories a day. Now I know a lot of us talk about, um, you know, it says on our package for 2000 calorie diet and this and that, but that's not, that's not what, what you need. Like a, a inactive male that's not doing anything. That's 150 pounds. That's not a big person. Needs 2,360 calories. An active male needs 3,176 calories a day. So when you talk about this uh, 2,000 calorie a day diet, yeah, that makes sense for a woman that's not doing anything. But if you're in a bad situation. Are you saying that women do less, Kevin? Are you opening the door right here? I'm saying they're smaller size in general. That's all I'm saying. Oh, okay. I'm not trying to get, I don't need all the, the feminist hate. I'm all right. Okay. Uh, okay. Just checking. But, but what I'm saying is, is just for thinking about your daily intake and calories, you can't just go by the 2000 calories a day and expect that that's going to cover you. And that's, you know, a full diet. That's not a full diet when you're, when you're being active and you're trying to, you know, when you're get splitting things, cords of wood. Done. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So there are a couple of things they figured out from this study, and it's basically the consequences of a low-calorie diet. So increased depression and hysteria. You know, Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people talk about in these bad situations, the most important thing to do is keep like a positive mental attitude. Right. But that's really hard to do when you have a calorie deficit, and it's one of the things that happens to everybody that, you know, has a calorie deficiency. Severe you emotional heard distress. The term, the term hangry. Yeah, go ahead. Yep. The, I the get I hangry. get seriously yeah. hangry. That's like definitely uh one of my one of my things. When I go uh you know twenty hours or so without something to eat, man, I start getting a little bit nasty. Yep. Um preoccupation with food. You know, it's one of those things like if you have a broken leg, all you can think about is that broken leg. If you're thirsty, all you can think about is water. It's the same thing with food. You know, when you're short on food and you haven't had enough food, then all you think about is food. Um, Now, it has other like physical, you know, problems. Over time, you develop other physical problems when you have a calorie deficiency. Uh, Reduction in body temperature. You you have a hard time keeping your body warm. Uh, Reduction in heart rate and respiration like you're. You know, after a few weeks, you start having like serious physical consequences to your body. So it's one of those things that um, whatever you're short on, whatever your problems you're going to have in your life, whatever nonsense you're going to have to deal with, whatever catastrophes are going on. One of the things that you don't want to be worrying about is a food shortage. You want to have that problem solved. And that's an easy problem to solve if you plan ahead of time. So. 
So let's get into uh, some of the basic plans for food storage. If you're starting out brand new, never done any food storage before, and you're looking to start, you know, some basic stuff. Chuck, what do you recommend we, how do we start off getting, getting food storage going? So I, I think the easiest, um, well, we have two ways. So two things we want to look at. One, we need to find a safe place to store our stuff. A lot of people think, oh, well, I have that extra unused, you know, horrible section of the basement that I can throw all my crap in. That'd be a great place to do my food storage. Wait, do you mean no? the, play, the section of the basement that's all moldy and like yes, and that's gross and damp all the time? That area? Turns out there maybe was a reason you weren't using that section of the basement. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what kind of can happen to people. And they kind of have that set it and forget it kind of thing. Or, uh, you know, let me uh, just throw it up in the attic or whatever. You have to think just a little bit. So if maybe we're going to use that unused space, maybe we kind of bring it back to life. We figure out what's allowing water to leak into there. We fix that. Um, You know, maybe some drainage issues on the outside. I don't want to spiral into, you know, things you can do, but... You, you Maybe it's a dehumidifier, maybe it's painting, maybe it's cleaning, maybe it's setting stuff up off the ground. But what we're looking for for food storage um, is basically a, uh, a, a place that's going to be 75 degrees or less. Now, colder is always better, so that's why I think basements are something that come to mind. You know, people think about uh, root cellars and things like that. But again... Mm-hmm. It's got to be kept dry. It's got to be kept dry and it's got to be insect and rodent free. Now, Mm -hmm. either now insect and rodent free, if it's maybe not possible to make the space insect and rodent free, then you're going to have to look into containers that are insect and rodent free. And so, but you need to think about that. And I don't want to spiral too much out. But we need, like I said, a cool place. They say a dark place is going to be a lot better. I know my wife's always like, if I leave the pantry door, I have potatoes in there and, and they're going to grow and, you know, do all kinds of bad right. things. And and things, you know, change and they start to sprout. You know, they love light. So you want to you wanna have a cool, dark place. But again, a dry place and a rodent-free yeah. place. So all these things matter. Um and they like air circulation. So first, the right containers to put your food storage in is going to be huge. Um, they do recommend, uh, they call them PET bottles, P-E-T-E. Uh, those are the ones, I don't know if you've ever been to like Sam's Club, they have those pretzels with the peanut butter in it. And they come in that big plastic thing with like a four inch screw on lid. And that's actually what those right. PET bottles look like. Um, right. And they're, they're, they're airtight. And we'll keep out moisture. And that's really the main thing when it comes to the food storage is you want to keep moisture out of the stuff you're storing. I do a lot of the Tupperware and and things like that, like the big, you know, plastic bins that clamp shut. Um, Another Mm -hmm. thing is uh, foil. You want airtight and you want like that, that foil is really good for stopping. uh, One, it stops light, but two, it stops rodents from chewing through it. Uh, just like, you know, you stick steel wool in the holes for the mice so they don't come through, you know, because when mm-hmm. they eat it, 
They, they have a hard time. Same thing. They don't like biting into metal because really who does? I mean, bite a piece of foil and tell me it was a fun time for you. You're going to agree right. with me. But anyway, so that's kind of what you're looking for for your long storage. The other thing is to kind of rotate your, you know, based on dates and how you place things in there. But so the idea is it's all kind of how you lay out. And I think we'll kind of talk about it as we go on here. But first thing you want to do is you want to build up a two-week food supply. And this is going to be good if the unexpected storm, the, you know, COVID hits and, and hey, you can't go out to the store for the next four days or whatever. Or, you know, you just don't feel safe with the big flu going around. You don't want to go, you know, um, buy whatever. And honestly, it just makes your life easier to have the general items well stocked. So if you have enough ketchup and you don't have to run out, you have enough sugar, you have enough flour. When you go to bake something, when you go to do something, you know, my that's one of the things I think my wife appreciates about the food storage is, you know, whatever she runs out of, I'm like, wait, we got that. You know, I, I got it somewhere. It might not be, you know, the container might be empty. But I know when I go to my second kind of storage area there, I'm going to have a backup or whatever that is because I should be supplying or having the things that we're using often. Again, sometimes you have the random thing that you don't use, you know, maybe vanilla, right? Vanilla extract or something, you know, maybe you're not, you know, stockpiling, you know, tons of that. Okay. That kind of thing could be an issue, but that's something to be aware of. So anyway, basically you want to build up two weeks of food. Now, a lot of people imagine in their head, oh, my fridge already has two weeks in there. You know, that's that's like normal. No, it's probably right. not. Um, just start to pay attention how often you or your wife or whatever is going to the grocery store. Um, realize how often you're supplementing, you know, your things. I know a big part of my food storage plan or or my food reserves, kind of my food plan, I guess is what I want to say, is my chickens laying eggs, right? So I'm getting like Mm -hmm. a dozen eggs a day minimum every day coming into my house. And right there, that's a big supply of protein. Now, I do have to keep in the back of my mind, how are the chickens going to keep eating? Do I live in a climate where they can eat all year long on their own or do I need to work on food storage for them? You know, it can always build in right. other things, but you can build an environment where your world can work. But your day to day in your grocery in your refrigerator might not be that long. You know, how, how expired is that milk? Uh, you know, what in there is really not worth anything? And are you just eating condiments through the apocalypse? If that's you know right. your plan, well, I have a full refrigerator. Or your pantry, you know, go into your pantry and really look at it. Look at what's there. But you should be able to, I think, work between your fridge freezer and your, you know, hopefully the pantry that you have in your kitchen. But again, everybody's house and setup is different. But you should be able to work out Mm -hmm. about two weeks and kind of if you're keeping it stocked and filled. Now, the expense is going to be up front. You know, this might cost you an extra 200 bucks the first time to kind of fill this up. Now, these are going to be your consumables that you're rotating through all the time. The things that, you know, are going to expire in, I, I want to say less than a month, 
maybe, you know, mm-hmm. a month to three months. I mean, again, if you're using something every day, like the box of cereal, but even when you open a box of cereal, it's not really good past maybe three weeks. I mean, I guess if you work mm-hmm. it into the plastic container right away, you can get a month or whatever. But you know what I'm saying? I mean, these are right. things that are, you know, once opened, especially. You're using it. Are perishable. Right. right. This is your rotate through. So two weeks, that's going to get you through. So like I said, that might cost you 200 bucks right in the beginning. So maybe would you kind of, whenever something's on sale, you buy extra. You know, you don't need to do it mm-hmm. overnight. You do this over time. You, you know, hey, all right, you know what? Right now, cheese is really cheap or bacon. Bacon is somehow magically cheap. It actually is where I am. I don't yeah. understand the world. Is it? And I yeah. still got expensive bacon, bacon up here. Bacon's like three fifty a pound where I am. And <clears throat> so, yeah, so I, I have like six packages of bacon in my fridge at all times. And the thing is, mm-hmm. every like third week, they only have $8 bacon. And I'm like, ah, crap. And I'm like, oh, I don't have to worry because I have enough to carry me over. Even just little price inflections, things like that, it's one more step that I'm prepared for. And it actually ends up saving me money in the long run because I can buy things under controlled price environments kind of thing, right? So it's going to, even though I'm spending a little more, but it's just... And once you build it up, you're just always two weeks out. So it's not like it really hurts you, right? It just right. takes you a little to bit to get prepared. When it comes to that thing, to keep restocking, you know? You can't, right. oh, now I don't have to go to the grocery store for two weeks. You have to stay on top of it. Another People thing with the two-week the storage. Yeah. Right. Another great thing with the, the two-week storage plan is, um, you know, like you said, a lot of people are planning for, you know, the apocalypse and doomsday and shit like that. But when it comes to two week storage, you're planning for basic, uh, basic disruptions in the supply chain. You're planning for, you know, a storm or a hurricane, but with the two week uh, storage, you can freeze things and expect that that freezer is going to last for a while. You know, once you freeze something, you can store it indefinitely as long as you, you know, as long as it was properly packaged when it went into the freezer. Right. That means it's good forever. You can fill that freezer up with with uh, bacon and just keep it there, you know, indefinitely. Um, and, you know, once your power goes out, you got to start eating bacon. But, right. you know, if it's just you can't get to the grocery store or there's nothing at the grocery store, but the lights are still on, you're you're set. You know, you've got it. You've got a lot of that stuff that you can keep in there and set and forget. Not a, not even have to worry about it until you know, until it's time and you need to start pulling things out of the freezer. Uh, I think, I think, uh, Chuck does a lot of that, uh, meat storage, right? You do. I store a lot of them. You get, you get, uh, large portions of, uh, like a half cow, quarter cow. Not and as store much it. lately, but I've definitely done it yeah. a lot. I, uh, my, my farmers kind of not as connected anymore. So things are slowing down, but I'm mm-hmm. working on a new guy. I got a new farmer. Right, with but new when it cow. comes to the, yeah, yeah, when it comes to when it comes to two week storage, it's it's basically unopened packaging is going to keep you set for your two week storage. Like that open bag, unopened bag of cereal, breakfast cereal. You know, 
a couple of those in that cabinet aren't going to go bad anytime soon until you start opening them up. You know, right. uh, dried cereal last, you know, last six months to a year without any problems as long as you keep the rodents out of there and the packaging stays, you know, stays sealed. Right. And this also is something two week that food storage is much easier. Right. 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 Two week food storage is much e- easier than long term storage because it's something you're rotating in your your regular regular food consumption. Um, now, some of the other things that when it comes to longer term food storage, that's when you get into uh, some of the some of the a little bit more difficult stuff to store. Now, there's a lot of things that if you store it and package it properly will last forever. And those are the foods that I like to focus on for my long-term storage. Um, one of those things is, is flour. Now, flour is, is, I think, is underrated as a food storage product because if it's dry and it's in a sealed container, it'll last forever. Um, and flour has a lot of calories in it. And basic storage, you know, you can get five pounds of flour for a few dollars. It's not a huge expense. And it's a, you know, it's basically a perfect storage food. As long as you know how to make stuff with flour. You know, I I know a lot of people that they use flour to, you know, like bread their chicken cutlets or something, but they're not baking anything, you know, with flour. They're not baking their own bread. And that brings me to the second item that I think is important for long-term food storage is yeast. Uh, yeast is one of those things that in a package, you can set it and forget it. Um, and that, that was one of the things when COVID hit that bread was the big thing that like, oh, we have to go to the store because we don't have bread. Bread was a big mm-hmm. thing because it goes bad so quick. I mean, especially if mm-hmm. you live in a more humid climate or, you know, different areas that, you know, things don't keep so well. Um but bread was like, and that was one of the things where I was like, you know, I'm kind of weak there in my prepping. And mm-hmm. I mean, I did have like 25 year shelf life, like cans of like bread mix and, and stuff, but it was something mm-hmm. that I had to kind of rethink like, all right, how am I going to do, you know, something that's more perishable like that. I need a plan. And like you said, yeast actually became very hard to find in the stores. That became a thing. There was a shortage of that. Get. And because everybody was like, oh, crap, that's where I fall short. Now, back in the day, they mm-hmm. used to keep it alive in their armpit. The baker used to walk around and keep some as you know, he'd travel. Yeah, yeah, that's how they did it. Um, so that's an option they want to do is this. have a little, oh, dude, armpit. Just always keep a packet of, of yeast in your armpit? Yeah, just in case people would have their yeast. own like flavor, you know, brand kind of thing going on there. So that's... Uh-huh. You know, you develop your own flavor, you know? So that's kind of a neat trick you might want to try in the apocalypse is to be armpit yeast guy. You look it up. Yeah. It's like a medieval time kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's pretty exciting. I mean, I know that's something I'm, I'm – I mean, I'm doing now just to, you know, kind of cherish yeah. the old ways, right? Uh-huh. Right. The old lost ways. You know, I that brings me to the, my, my, my second – favorite food storage item for long-term survival and it's no good without bread you kind of have to have the bread before you start on peanut butter and jelly peanut butter jelly time nice peanut butter and jelly are two high calorie uh foods that 
you know, that can be stored indefinitely when they're sealed. Um, Those are things like, you know, like the flour, you can set it and forget about it. Peanut butter and jelly, when they're sealed, are going to last a long time and they, they cost a little bit more, more than flour. That's true. Right. But sealed jars, jelly and peanut butter are going to sit. Right. Protein. Calorie dense, high protein. Um, it tastes good. Everybody likes it. Easy to prepare. I mean, you can sit down with a spoon and eat peanut butter if it's, you know, if Mm -hmm. times are hard. Right. So that's something to really, you know, you can bump up your stuff, but again, you got to maybe buy the bigger, you know, that's where something like Sam's club might come in or whatever, where you're buying the the larger size containers, uh, containers. Right. But honestly, um, when I started looking at things from a more budget conscious kind of thing, I know, uh, I, I don't know if, what the store was, maybe like price chopper or one of these like little or shop, right. Or something. What they do is, you know, one of these places that is very coupon heavy and like that, and you watch the flyers, they'll have like 10 Peter pan, peanut butter things for a uh, dollar each 10 for $10, you know, and they're not that big. But you end up where you can get a lot, you know, and they do like the same thing with like spaghetti sauce or whatever. And again, that adds right there. You're adding significant calorie content to your storage. And, you know, those are the kind of sales to watch for. Uh, I know we did like spaghetti sauce. We did some, you know, other things that we buy very common. Um, it used to be real easy to go buy like pinto beans for like, uh, uh, 12 cans for like eight bucks a Goya at Sam's Club. And now, one, they don't even have it anymore. And anywhere I go, it's more like a dollar 25 or whatever. And, you know, prices are going up. And, and that's the thing, too. Just by prepping and, and having some kind of food storage, you can kind of be ahead of the curve on inflation. You know, it can really actually save you money by being a little bit prepared. And I'm not saying be the crazy hoarder, have a plan and make sure you don't have a bunch of things that are expiring and going bad on your shelf. You got to think about what you're doing when you put it there and you have to set up some kind of rotation so that the things that are perishable are getting used. You know, even your cans of soup that you're like, oh, that's good for two years. Well, yeah, but you know, two years comes and goes pretty quick. You know, you'd be surprised. So. Right. And I, I think one of the uh, one of the things to keep in mind when you're storing stuff is they, they have you can get a lot of those moisture absor- absorption packets for a small yes. price. And there's different types of products and there's different ways to get them and whatever. But those things are a great help to throw it in with with any of your your stored food. One and of the things that a quick Google I, search, you can bring those back to life. Sorry, too. Right. They, you know, fill up with moisture. You can you know, somehow dry you them out in your them. oven or something or whatever. Just check it out on the internet. And I know my wife stores them as they come in packages that we get in the mail. She saves mm-hmm. them all and built up a collection, you know, in a jar because she uses right. it for all kinds of stuff. But Yeah. Now, if you're wanting to be cheap, which is, you know, I'm, I'm in 100% support of that. A great way for a, lo- a great thing for long-term storage is – picking up one of those 25 pound bags of rice. The problem is that you have to, you have to make sure that you're not wasting that rice. You have to store it properly. Um, You know, stocking up on rice like that 
that can get you 90% of the way there. You know what I mean? That, yeah. that is, uh, give you a lot of calories for a long period of time. And if you store it properly, it'll last forever. All right. So here's the deal. I can say from personal experience, I always have more than one 25 pound bag of rice and I mm-hmm. do rotate them through and I actually do finish 25 pound bags of rice. My wife does go through it. Now I have one of these smaller containers that I keep in my kitchen. Um, mm-hmm. Actually very much like those. I think it is one of those peak containers. Um, right that I keep filled with rice in my kitchen. Now, then when you go to my storage area, I have a five gallon bucket from Lowe's with the sealed lid. And Mm -hmm. I have the original package of the rice, the 25 pound bag inside there. Maybe there's two stacked on top of each other. And Mm -hmm. I do rotate by date. Um, You do want to use long grain and you don't want to use brown rice. Brown rice has the fat on there, right? Has the fat on there, which, yeah, brown rice is healthier for you. That's great. But the fat ends up rotting. So that's something you might want to, you know, be aware of when you do. Um, Long grain just gives you a little more health than whatever going with it. But you don't want the brown rice, not from a health point of view, but for a storage point of view. Um, if you're buying smaller amounts that you're going through, whatever you do, brown rice, you do, you, you know, whatever, I'm not telling you how to live. I'm just telling you what works for food storage, but five gallon buckets. That's huge with me. Um, pancake mix. You can buy super cheap at like Sam's club for these giant bags that again, tons of calories lasts a super long time. And then I, it comes in a nice sealed package, but then five gallon bucket with lid. Um, one of the things I have bought in bulk that kind of backfired on me because I was not on top of the humidity thing. I didn't have any five gallon buckets to throw it in at the time. I didn't think it was a big deal. I bought a bunch of salt and mm-hmm. that salt is like solid rocks. Now, can I cut it out of the cardboard and break it up with a hammer and have perfectly good usable salt. Yes. Right. Would it have been a lot smarter to throw it in a five gallon bucket with some humidity packs there? Yes. That would have been, you know, something to do. So again, salt, something you want to make sure you're on top of, but again, putting things in buckets, sealing them up, keeps the rodents out. Now, again, if your food, if you want to just pour straight rice into the bucket, they do sell food grade buckets. Um, one of the big thing with food grade buckets, the idea that what you're really worried about is any kind of scratch or mm-hmm. porous surface in there. Cause that's where bacteria is going to happen. So the big right. thing is keeping them, you know, fresh and nice. And, you know, cause once you get a scratch, you always see, oh, well that spot looks dirty. Well, yeah. And that's also where the bacteria is going to form and, and, you know, yeah. start to build up. So just yeah. be aware of that. For smaller smaller amounts of items, that's why mason jars are so good. That glass, uh, you know, once you clean it, it's going to be clean. You know, it's not going to have any bacteria hiding in any, you know, like scratches like you might get in the plastic. But you're going to have a hard time finding five-gallon mason jars, you know. So that's just something to keep in mind. Um, well, you're awesome. Now, you I, I do keep rice in a mason jar, but that's the rice that I'm using – day in, day out for, for my daily use type stuff. So I'll take the rice out of the 25 gallon packet, 
put it in a mason jar, seal up that 25 gallon or 25 pound bag of rice, like you're talking about, ro- about rotating, rotating through your foods. Um, another great food for long-term storage is uh, dried beans. Now, a lot of people, um, I don't know, a lot of people don't like dried beans because it it's a pain in the ass to make. You have to, you know, do all sorts of bullshit. It's not easy. You can't just open a can, pour it in a pot and whatever, do whatever your thing is. That's fine. But dried, dried, uh, beans really go a long way and they last a long time. They're great for soups. They're great for anything that you might be trying to cook to kind of bring some extra protein into the food. Great beans to mix with your rice. Exactly. Excellent with rice huge for protein and they do store forever now my tips are your water actually matters so do some experimenting with how long you have to set your beans in water to because your water is going to be different than water you know my water and kevin's water and whatever see how long you have to go to soften those beans up because believe it or not it could be soak them for 24 hours or maybe even more prior to use. So it's something you want to plan ahead with. But dried beans are freaking awesome. They store, they're super cheap, super cheap way to get huge amounts of protein. Way better. Metal cans do rust, do get kind of crappy over time, you know, when you're doing the canned beans. In your shorter, you know, use and rotation, I know my family, we do a lot of black beans and stuff, and we make chili and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And we can go through a significant amount of beans in a year. So having a significant amount of beans in our storage is no big deal in cans. But in addition, we have a ton of big bags where, again, something like Sam's Club or Costco or whatever would have the big, you know, bulk dried beans that, you know, an extra bag costs you nothing and then you fill a five-gallon bucket with dried beans, that works out easy, and it's one of those set it and forget it, and cheap, cost-effective. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, I I think that um, you know, I'm I'm a big fan of canned foods as far as uh, storage, but mm-hmm. you know, if you look at the the best buy dates on those cans, you've really got tops about two years. So yeah. any canned food, you kind of want to have that rotating through your your stuff. One of the things that uh, got me thinking about that was uh, canned meat. Now, uh, like canned tuna fish, canned uh, chicken. Yeah, it does not taste as terrible as as you know as you might. But it's want to it's also better in like does. soups and things like you wanted things you're going right. to mix it in with other flavorful stuff. You're not eating the canned right. meat on its own. You know, that's why tuna, you mm-hmm. hide it in mayonnaise. You know, you do different things. Right. Yeah. Now, I have to admit that I have uh, far more canned spam than I'm ever going to eat before it goes bad. Canned spam does not taste good. It's not Ooh. good with anything. Like, there's a, you have a hard time putting spam with anything and make it, making it taste better. Um, and it, it's only going to last about two years. So if you're not putting it through your regular food rotation, you're wasting your money, you know? Right. So when it comes to canned meats, it's something that you want to, you want to keep rotating through. Uh, don't buy canned shit that you're not going to eat. 
Don't buy, you know, if you don't like t- tuna fish and your kid, your kids hate tuna fish, don't buy a bunch of canned fucking tuna fish because it's a waste of money and it's not, and it's going to go bad before you use it. Um, but <clears throat> personally, I don't have a problem with canned tuna fish. I don't have a problem with canned chicken and I do rotate it through my food. You know, it's great on a, whatever you want to make a, make a sandwich for, for work, bust it out and make some, you know, make some, uh, chicken salad. Um, right. Some of the things that are more important and more difficult to store long-term in my personal opinion is coffee. Very important and not as easy to store long-term as you might think. Now, uh, you can store coffee a lot longer in it, uh, without being ground. You know, you buy the ground coffee from the grocery store. That's great. It's easy, you know, but, when you have the beans, they're going to last a lot longer than ground dried coffee. So having a grinder, you know, a coffee grinder is great. To me, coffee is one of the most important things. One of the, well, the second most important thing. First most important thing I would say is, is whiskey. Um, whiskey's great to stock up on because it lasts forever. And who wants to, uh, uh, an apocalypse without whiskey is an apocalypse Ooh. I don't want to have any part of. I'll tell you that right now. Well, one of the things I'd point out is I actually, when I moved uh, down south, it turns out alcohol is a lot cheaper. Um, And what, well, than it is in New York, but I guess everything's cheaper than it is in New York. Um, But I made it where, you know, buying a bottle of Southern Comfort or something is half the price of what I was paying in New York. So I just buy two every time. Well, I, I say two. Right. I buy two for every one I would have bought. So maybe right. it's more than two. Buy one, get one free. Not, it's not cheaper. Not to, just buy one, get right, one free. Now. Right. Yeah. So, and then what I do is I actually have a big container where I've been throwing the extra bottles and I make sure I never go to the liquor store without buying some extra bottles. And again, it's stuff that mm-hmm. I use. I didn't buy a bunch of. Now, if I'm looking for barter items, Believe it or not, we have like dollar seventy five bottles of vodka here, and yeah, yeah the, I, the shitty shark, shitty charcoal yeah. filtered. I, I yep. well, you say shitty, it's called aristocrat. So you know, mm. hey, it, it sounds kind of so. It's definitely it's got to be. Yeah, it's um, got to be sophisticated. That's, one of my hardcore, classic. one of my hardcore alcoholic buddies. Um, it says that it's really good. I've yet to try it. Um, you know, he, he wants to bring it to work and share, but I'm like, no, I'm good. Thanks. But, uh, you know, mm-hmm. so anyway, the, uh, I'm like, Hey man, you know, that's you. So if you're looking for like barter items, yeah, you could buy 10 bottles of some aristocrat vodka, right. Or whatever it is. Right. Maybe try, you know, buy like three different, you know, really cheap alcohols, and taste the three and see if you can find one that's tolerable. And then they, maybe that's right. what you buy for your, you know, 15 bottles of trade items. Um, if they're 10 right. bucks a bottle, I'm not bothering with that. I'm only buying good stuff that I'd want to drink. Um, mm-hmm. But so get the stuff that you want and then uh, set it aside and, you know, just stockpile. I'm actually, my plan is for retirement. So you always see these like old people who are like living on cans of tuna fish and stuff. 
So, or cat yeah. food is that what old people eat? Cat, cat food? food. That's what the oh, old ladies eat. Right. You know, and then right. during the depression, a lot of old women, uh, a lot of old women died from eating cat food. So now mm. animal food, all animal food that's sold in the United States has to be uh, human grade, like in the sense nice. that you could eat that without poisoning yourself. So like worst it. case scenario, <laughs> you can eat cat food without getting sick. Nah, it's just I probably more dolphin than tuna, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty fucking gross looking. It's, it's not something more dolphin I ever want to have tuna, to uh, I think. Eat. But, right. So, <laughs> anyway, bottom line. So, I, when I got scared about this, I'm like, oh, shit. I'm okay with eating the cat food, but I know that there's right. no money left for quality liquor if I'm buying cat right. food. That's right? an emergency. Because right. that's awkward. You're like, hey, I'm going to the liquor store to get some you know, some, uh, I don't know, whatever quality whiskey my old lady drinks or whatever. Right. She's like really high dollar. Uh, like she'll, she'll buy like the $40, you know, whatever. And she's like, well, it's cause I don't pound it like you. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. But, um, so anyway, what I do is <laughs> I buy a couple extra bottles and I build up a second storage. So that way, when I go into retirement, there's always, yeah, but I got a hundred bottles. I mean, yeah, right, you can spend your year. social security right. check yeah. on cat food, right? But you have the whiskey to wash it. I down. have the whiskey; it's already there. I mean, what am I going to do? I already mm-hmm. bought it, and I just don't tell her. So, like, we have this horrible, scary attic in this old farmhouse we have, and just the floor is just lined with alcohol bottles because right. they're already in. It's the all alcohol bottle. and spiders. Huh? It's alcohol and spiders. Nobody's going up there because they're afraid they'll fall through or the spiders will get them. And, but mm-hmm. me in my old age, watch, I'm going to not be able to make it up the steps. That's why <laughs> you won't happen. get up the ladder. <laughs> I feel like I can't get up there, <laughs> but I know I'm so close. I plan for my retirement and then it falls apart. Uh, so let me now, go through. There... Our, or, yeah, go ahead. There are a couple of things that that don't last as long that I think are important items to keep in mind. Now, okay. one of those things that I've been on a kick lately is is multivitamins. Now, you don't really need multivitamins if you're eating a, a healthy diet. And that believe it or good. not, you're probably getting all your vitamins from the shitty diet that you're eating right now. Even if you're, you know, 90% of your meal, meals are Taco Bell and and McDonald's, you're still getting most of your nutrition. The problem is uh, in a long-term food shortage situation, if you're eating rice and beans, you're not going to get all your vitamins that you need. Right. Uh, the problem is that most of those multivitamin things, they only last about a year. There's only about a year's worth of, you know, and then, then the value, the nutritional value of those vitamins start going down. They start degrading a little bit after a year or so. So, I've been just kind of working multivitamins into my diet regularly so that I'm using them and I keep track of having them. Uh, If you have a food shortage and you have, you know, a couple of bottles of multivitamins, you know, you're still going to be exhausted, but at least, you know, your teeth aren't going to start falling out within the first first month or so, you know? So that's something to keep in mind. Yeah, if any of you guys know, uh, about some multivitamins that you can get that last longer than a year or two, email me and let me know because I've been trying to figure something out for for a while with that. 
That'd be prepping badass at gmail.com. Yeah, there you go. Let me know about your vitamin situation. Um, One of our listeners sent me a message a a couple weeks ago, um, end of August, I think, but uh, about if you guys start to get into uh, smoking meats and canning, um, these are great ways to store your, you know, survival stuff. Plus, you can hopefully do it a little cheaper. Uh, Some places hunting license are pretty ridiculous where you're not even getting a discount on the meat, but just the same. Um, Learning how to smoke and can, uh, that's really kind of a different episode. I know we did a huge episode on uh, smoking meat a while back, and I think we've done one on canning. But I know YouTube is a great source and and for that. But that's something you might want to look into. Uh, jars are fairly expensive to store stuff in like you know Kevin was mentioned like the ball jars and like that you really got to look for when they're on sale but man ever since COVID hit they're never kind of on sale now you're just lucky if you can find them in stock yeah it it kind of seems to be a thing of the past I know people talk about yard sales and stuff like that Um, another thing if you are going to stock up on something for your canning supplies and whatever buying the lids um, and the seals, and especially if you can find the old seals where they're very reusable, uh, but the lids are, are reasonably cheap if you can get them and you just set them aside. And again, that's a huge thing to be able to reuse it. That's going to be like the big right. barter item in you the can, apocalypse. Yeah, you that can kind use of those, thing, so. Right. When you can use those Mason jars over and over again, um, you know, the, the cost relative relatively is not as high as it is when you're, you know, first looking at it to, to store it. If you can use it over and over again, that's a big plus. So keep in mind with the lids. Um, there are some great resources on what types of food. Uh, we didn't really get into bulk food storage, like from the, the prepping companies, but when you look at those really look at the calorie content per dollar, Mm -hmm. but also, Right. Look at, are they quality calories? You know, are, am I getting right. protein or are you just giving me a ton of rice? Uh, so many of them are just kind of rice and pancakes, you know, and they're kind of low calorie right. or low protein pancakes, not low calorie. Um, they're actually right. building up their calories with just flour, you know? And so just keep mm-hmm. that in mind, you know, Bisquick, if you buy two packet of the big Sam's club boxes of Bisquick, and throw them out every two years or however long the shelf life is. It's between a year and a half and two years. Um, Whatever uh, the shelf life is, if you just throw those out, you're already ahead of the game as opposed to a lot of the calories you're getting from those long-term survival buckets and like that. Um, There's great resources like the Mormons actually have a lot of stuff um, that you can buy from them. Uh, I know some of the places like Sam's Club do have some long-term food storage buckets, but just kind of do some research, maybe get some of the, you know, sample packages to do some taste tests, see what you think, but look at the products and be like, wait, are you just giving me a ton of freaking rice and I can buy a $12, 25 pound bag of rice and throw it out every two years if I can't store it? Mm -hmm. Because really... That 25-pound bag of rice, if you're paying attention to it, and if it's in a sealed five-gallon bucket, you're going to get five, six years without a chance of bugs or that kind of thing. 
you should be looking at it. You should be going to it. But if you're doing that $12, you're like talking about the equivalent of like two or three hundred dollars in food storage buckets. It's ridiculous. Right. The amount of but again, you have to find a way to get your protein. Um, I do the uh I have a, a bunch of the the canned chicken that they do at like Sam's Club. That again only has uh-huh. like a two year shelf life. So basically I buy it every two years and I have the wife work it into, you know, pasta sauce or something like that. And I don't even notice the one or two, you know, less desirable meals. And then I'm able to throw new cans back on the shelf by being willing to do a little bit of paying attention. You can save yourself Mm -hmm. a lot of money as opposed to paying the premium that you do for that guaranteed 25 year shelf life kind of thing. So Mm -hmm. just spend a little time. And I'm not saying don't do that. If you have more money than time, then just buying a couple thousand dollars worth of long-term food storage gives you a lot of peace of mind and it's set it and forget it. You put it somewhere safe and that's great. And I have no problem with that. Um, I would tell you what brands are good and we've done that in the past and really searched it out. But I swear two months later, it's a different company. That's the right company to buy from. So it's all the right. time. You have Those to do things your are fluctuating. Or your research. Another, research. Yeah. another thing ahead. to pay attention when you're getting those, uh, you know, it, you'll see it says, you know, six months, you know, food, yeah. food supply, you know, but when you look at it, you, you realize that they're talking about a thousand calorie a day diet or, you know, they're right. not, a starvation it's not diet. literally right. six months. Right. It, exactly. So when you're buying it, and you're planning for six month, months worth of food, pay attention to the amount of calories per day that they're talking about because their calories right. per day might not be your calories per day. Right. And keep in mind, you really need to be thinking of ways to supplement if you're really thinking long term. Um, you know, that's where your garden comes in. That's where your chickens come in. That's where you think about meat rabbits and how awesome they can be. Um, you know, that mm-hmm. kind of stuff makes a huge difference one in freshness and you know how things taste and like instead of just being oh rice and beans again rice and beans again right every meal you know three meals a day whatever yeah it's affordable it's doable but it's not something you want but it is better than starving and it is better than eating your pet dog so you know mm-hmm. i won't knock that but when you can mix eggs in and actually start to cook and learn to cook with your survival food, with your preps, start to use the things that you have. And again, I'm not talking about using your 25 year shelf life, although be aware of what's in there and how you're going to prepare meals for it. What's going to be required to prepare those meals. What kind of seasoning would make it so much better, you know, having that big container of garlic powder or whatever, or salt or whatever might be the, you know, night and day difference. But think of ways to supplement your food. And that's, you know, where something like rabbits or whatever, everybody always, we've mentioned this before, but everybody always has the plan of, well, I'm just going to go hunting and I'm going to, you know, go get the deer. I see deer in my yard all the time. Well, yeah, you will for the first month, but then after that, they're gone, you know, and that's, you know, everybody that owns a rifle is going to have deer meat for the first, uh, first month. And then everybody is going to be fucked because that's, that's it. 
Right, you know? and you're like, well, it's I'm going to be I'm going to eat squirrels. Well, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. But it, it's all going to disappear. They're going to dry up. You know, there are there are stories in history where, you know, they're eating rats and stuff and they're like, yeah, there aren't enough rats around. You know, the rat population mm-hmm. has gone down too much. So, you know, right. just be aware of that. That's not a long term plan. But if you set up some kind of breeding rabbits or something like that or, you know, goats for milk or whatever. But again, think of animals where you can maintain their feed as well you know if you have an animal where you have to buy feed and bring it in that's not really a long-term solution you know but it might buy you six months you know so i don't know you know fresh meat for six more months is kind of a a useful thing i'm not saying it's wrong i'm just saying come up Mm -hmm. with a plan and start to think of things um i can give you a quick list. You're probably better off just hitting the internet, see what they got. But I mean, so waffle and pancake mix is huge. Uh, stovetop meals, like the stuffing and that kind of thing. Macaroni and cheese, the potato, gratin kind of thing. Things that are dried out in the package. These all have a great shelf life. Um, canned spaghetti, ravioli, like Chef Boyardee, the bulk pasta and noodles. Um, cereals oatmeal oats are great they they store pretty well um black beans refried pinto you know baked beans all these things again dried are going to last longer than canned but if you can rotate them that's great uh peanut butter protein bars protein powder is actually great mm-hmm. that's a store. great that's buys great you a lot of stuff and Again, you got to pick and choose your calories, how wise it is. It's better if you can buy something that you're actually using. Just doubling up on what you keep on hand maybe, you know, buys you a little bit, you know, more time. And that's something to think about. But any of the canned meats, I I know I've mentioned in the past uh, corned beef hash, one of my favorite things. Again, I think it has like a two-year shelf life. So what I do is I keep about 10 or 15 cans in my storage. And then I rotate those through where I'm probably using 10 cans a year because it's probably not the healthiest thing. So I try not to get too crazy, but you know, um, Kevin's spam, if you're going to eat it, I guess that sounds right. Right. Um, ramen noodles, uh, Sam's club, you can spend like 10 bucks and have like 50 meals and you know what? They're not really healthy, but they fill bellies and those little, uh, uh, chicken flavor seasoning packets make yeah. a lot of bad things taste better. You know, if you had your canned chicken, but with the ramen, with the noodles and the, the chicken sauce or whatever, you know, that little seasoning, that's going to make it a lot better than just canned chicken out of a can. I'm just saying, mm-hmm. you know, that's something to think about. Um, any of the canned stews, chowders, uh, dried fruits are awesome. Uh, apricots, raisins, cranberries, that kind of stuff in the sealed packages. They have a decent self- shelf life. Uh, canned fruit. Uh, what I do is I, I actually read that the way to get the ladies in the apocalypse is having canned peaches. Ooh. So I'm just saying that might be. So I bought some number 10 cans. Like I'm not messing around. Like I'm like, hey, you yeah. know, we're going to have some happy ladies. Exactly. So I'm just saying that might be something you're into. I don't know. Cause I know you're like, well, you know, it's the apocalypse. You don't really like me, but I have fruit cups, you know, that it's like, ah, yeah, 
yeah, maybe, maybe you're not as ugly as I thought. Um, mm-hmm. Again, like Kevin said, uh, the jellies, jams, you know, all the different flavors. Um, V8 is actually pretty good uh, for storage and whatever. Uh, any of the, the canned juices like that, um, canned pumpkin, canned tomatoes. I always, again, stuff you're going to use and be able to work in. Um, also, like, be ahead of the game a little bit on, like, your mustard and mayonnaise and ketchup, stuff like that. Because, uh, you know, they're going to make crappy stuff a little easier to, you know, more palatable. Uh, right. I, I told you I buy those big bags of uh, pancake mix. Well, I also, they sell, like, Aunt Jemima or something syrup, which is fine. I mean, it's just, like, I normally buy, like, a light syrup or I buy, uh, you know, I'll occasionally buy the, the fancy uh, from the trees, whatever, maple syrup, the you know, pure maple, maple syrup. syrup, right? That kind uh-huh. of thing, like, if I can find a decent price on it or whatever. So that's more what I'm eating, whereas the Aunt Jemima, like, the regular normal flavor that you can buy in bulk for nothing, um, I it's all corn syrup and it's not really my thing, but I buy, I always have like two of those, those big packages. They're like $4 for two giant containers at Sam's club. So every other year I replace those two. I either give them away the two that I have as they're nearing the end of their shelf life. And the same thing with the pancake mix. And I just throw that back in again. I eat like a, a more high protein pancake when I do for, you know, my normal rotation, but you can buy these huge bags that are just so many meals and I have the syrup and the pancakes for 20 bucks. I buy 20 bucks worth like every couple of years and I just, you know, donate the other one before it expires and, uh, you know, or just give it to somebody I think will use it, you know, and then that works out because again, it's way cheaper than buying the long-term food storage that people are doing. So just something to think about. Um, Again, uh, like beef jerky, popcorn, cookies, trail mix, that kind of stuff. The hard candies last. Uh, Things like clothes, you know, sealed jars of salsa. But all these things, if you're just buying whatever you're going to use for the year, kind of, building up your year supply is not that hard to do. You know, buy the amount of salsa you'll use for a year. And as long as you're really rotating through it, it'll never be old and expired and that kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. but buy the products that you're eating. And no, you don't go out and buy a year all at once. You set up mm-hmm. an area to store it, start to set up a way to rotate it, set up a way to go through these things, and then plan out and see what works. You know, and then a couple of big supplements like, you know, hey, I'm going to fill a couple five gallon buckets of uh, flour and I'm going to fill a five gallon bucket with rice and a five gallon bucket with sugar and salt. Sugar and salt, again, super humidity sensitive, things you want to be aware of. But if you're on top of it, you could probably work through it and also think about how much you are actually using and how much you'll be able to work through on those two. So. That's what I got. I know we already dumped a lot on you. It was a big episode. Um, But, you know, food storage is serious. I mean, that's kind of the key. If you don't have to go out, then that changes the dynamic. You know, and if you're not a slave to the garden, you can pay a lot more attention to security. 
you can pay a lot more attention to other things that need to be dealt with when you're not worried about food and hunger and depression and these things. So, you know, something to think about. This is something that can really be a life changer. And honestly, it can really help you just when inflation comes, when, you know, things are just a little hard, you lose your job. Hey, at least my kids, but you know, bellies aren't hungry. You know, it used to be, we didn't have all these big welfare programs and all that. And when somebody would lose their job, you know, you'd go and you'd get them, uh, you know, you'd bring some groceries over to your buddy and, hey, I just want to make right. sure you guys can make it through the week. And, and you'd help people mm-hmm. out like that. And now we have such a different mindset in the world that people don't really think like that. But I assume the way the government's spending that maybe the social programs aren't as firm, firmly in place as you might think. Um, they're there and, and they're available right now. I know we're paying people to uh, not go out and commit crimes. You know, we, we act like we have a lot of money to give away, but I feel like it's a delicate balance keeping it all juggled. So mm-hmm. there's something to be aware of. And you have any ideas, things you want to talk to us about, um, show ideas, things you, you know, think we'd be interested in. Maybe just a funny joke you want to tell Kevin shoot us an email at preppingbadass at gmail.com. You can follow us on our Facebook group, although uh, it does sometimes violate Facebook standards, I've been told, um, Mm -hmm. that uh, search out uh, Prepping Badass and you should be able to find us. And I think you can also support us on Patreon if you appreciate what we're doing. Uh, We have these pretty cool patches. I actually have some in stock. I could send you out one. Uh, that would be patreon.com slant prepping badass. Uh, you want a cool t-shirt, another way to support us, cool gear, go to, uh, let me think, preppingbadass.com. Otherwise, stay safe, and we'll talk to you guys next week. The Survival and Basic Badass Podcast is a proud member of the Self-Defense Radio Network. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.